Good morning, good evening, and good afternoon to the Notre Dame Fighting Irish fans that we have here with us today. This is Irish on Map. I am Brandon Suarez, and today I am joined by Ethan Wiles and Chris White. Ethan Wiles is new to the Irish on Tap podcast and new to the On Tap Sportsnet. Um, we're going to go ahead and get a quick introduction from Ethan. We're going to catch up with Chris, and then we're going to get this party started. So to start things off, here is the newest member of Irish on Tap, Ethan Wiles. Hey, thanks for having me, Brandon, Chris. Um, excited to join the, the on Tap brand here. Um, diehard Notre Dame, and obviously, that's why I'm on the podcast. Um, junior at NIU, Brandon's roommate, so, you know, we're pretty much with each other 24-7. Um, journalism major out here, so uh, pretty much keep tabs on sports on you know, 24-7. So, uh, like I said, lucky to be here. Uh, excited to join the uh, the brand. And uh, ready to talk some Irish football here. Let's get the season going. Yeah, let's get this party started. We're definitely happy to have you as part of the ONTAP Sportsnet brand. Chris, we haven't talked in a while. How you doing, brother? It's been about two weeks. Oh, I'm good, man. I'm just really pumped college football's back. Uh, week zero was definitely uh, definitely a start. Um, could have been a lot better uh, between Florida and Miami. That was very ugly. The Arizona-Hawaii game was tolerable, but um, just so pumped to be back uh, talking to you guys about this and getting ready for the season to kick off. Yeah, that Florida game had me eating all of my preseason words on Felipe Franks and Dan Mullen. I'm surprised I haven't caught any flack about it on Twitter. Felipe will be back. He started to get a little cocky towards the fourth quarter. Uh, but as far as, you know, aesthetic and just for the landscape of college football, you got to love Miami Florida to kick off the season. And then you also got to love having a 930 game that, you know, you maybe you're at the bar, you got home from work, you got nothing else to watch, you don't want to watch a movie. We got a college football game and they're scoring a million points and it's going all the way down to the one yard line on the last play to determine the winner. So I thought that was a decent game. Uh, the Miami-Florida game was, um, you know, started out with Miami. You know, they looked pretty strong in the first half, and I thought they were going to be able to run away with it. You never really know what you get when you're going to get Florida State, Miami, or Florida. They all play each other pretty tough. So I thought it was a close down to the wire that was one on who made the less amount of mistakes. Um, Florida, definitely going to have to reel back in some of my takes that I, you know, previously had. It may be too early not trying to get the knee-jerk reaction. I do want to clarify that those are preseason takes for a reason. You know, I've stated it, you know, in, in previous podcasts, these are 18 to 22-year-old kids. You never truly know what you're going to get until they step out onto the field in that first game. Um, but something that I do want to start us off with today, so I was on my way home from class, and, you know, I'm just going through social media, and I see a quote, and it's a quote from Brian Kelly, and it's regarding the Notre Dame matchup versus Georgia. He is quoted as saying, they're not Bama. They're not Clemson. Georgia is just another overrated SEC team that can't go four quarters to save their life. Look forward to putting a muzzle on those dogs in week three. And with that quote, that that should just kick off the season. It already, you know, week zero already started. We got our first game here on Monday. That quote makes me want to run through a brick wall for this team. I don't think that, you know, the schedule makers or, you know, the people, the animals, the Whoever you want to, you know, whoever you want to say, has the right identity on this Notre Dame team. I think we're going to surprise a lot of people. I know we didn't bring back as much as we wanted on offense, but our defense is stout. 
So from that standpoint, and you know, Georgia, they got they got rocked last year against Texas. And you know, if anybody that had been on Twitter around that time, they were basically taking shots at Notre Dame, saying that we didn't deserve to be where we were at, and they deserved our spot. So what else do they do? They go out and lose to Texas. Not in a you know, it wasn't a blowout, but at the beginning, it was looking ugly for them. Uh, I'm not sure if you were able to see the quote, but thoughts on that quote? Sorry, um. It, I, I really, uh, I really can't describe it. Like the the feeling and the how amped up you get, and the madness that just runs through you. You get so ready, and I can't wait to start off the season against Louisville. Beat them up a little bit. Go over to New Mexico. Beat them up a little bit. Then get us a real challenge. And Kelly's bringing it, bringing it to us. You know, he well, he's getting these guys ready. He's pumping them up. Yeah, I mean. Looking at that game, I mean, you're talking about the game from a few years ago where Georgia came in to spend and, you know, close game. Um, you know, if there's any quarterback outside of Ian Book that I like the most, it's Jake Fromm. Um, you know, I, I watched him on a, a Netflix show, QB1, through high school ranks, and that man's just a leader. Um, you know, despite Brandon Take, I did have Georgia winning the, uh, the division of the SEC. Um you know, Jake Fromm was probably my leading pick to win the Heisman um, just because of the talent that Georgia has. But to be honest, I mean, I think that that game week three has the potential to be a game of the year. Um, and, you know, I, I listened to the first two, obviously, just joining today. But um, I told Brandon, too, that I said if Notre Dame can can run through Georgia and at least, you know, make it a two-touchdown, three-touchdown win, which, you know, probably could be a stretch. But, um, you know, I think that that team – if 12 and 0 has every right to be in the national championship talks again. So, um, you know, obviously we're only on week one here. We haven't even kicked off the season yet, but I mean, that Georgia game week three just has the potential to be one of the biggest games in college football this year, if not the biggest. Yeah. And I think you both bring up excellent points. Um, I've used the term. It's uh, I guess it's like a, a measuring stick game per se. You really want to see where you match up against teams from the SEC, the Big 12, you know, the ACC, and the Big 10. You want to play these Power 5 conferences year in and year out because it proves to the committee that you can compete with the best of college football. Um, as far as this week goes, though, boys, uh, Monday at 7 o'clock, we do have our first game. We're going to be playing against Louisville. I believe we are 20-point favorites leading up to this game. Um Thoughts so far on this game, uh, Ethan, I'm going to go to you because you did a little bit of research prior to this. Uh, as far as last season, you followed a couple guys closely on the Louisville roster, so Ethan will let you take it away on this one. Yeah, thanks. Well, yeah, I mean, Louisville, pretty self-standard, two wins last season. Um, you know, they had a, a pretty tough schedule in terms of just the, F, or the uh, ACC opponents that they were playing, um, and they just got blown out by those ACC opponents. You got... 77 to 16 loss against Clemson, uh, 54 to 23 against Syracuse. Um, you know you're looking at a 66 to 31 loss against Georgia Tech. So, you know I think Louisville is is everything that their record they were. Um, they're returning a quarterback, Juwan Pass, who last season was 162 for 300, eight touchdowns, 12 interceptions. So that touchdown interception ratio not the best. Uh, we're pretty good in the pass defense that we have. Um, obviously, the safety, Alohi Gilman coming back. I mean, he's a playmaker. So I think if there's any quarterback that is on the Notre Dame, you know, opponent 
schedule, I think this is the guy that they need to go after the most. So, um, same thing in terms of the running game as well. Hassan Hall is coming back. Uh, he only had 70 touches last year for three touchdowns on 303 yards. So, um, you know, if this is a, I shouldn't say a statement game for the defense because of how many players they lost, but um, this is a good chance for this defense to really just fly around, make plays, make tackles, you know. Just it's typical Notre Dame defense that we know that they are. So, um, you know, like I said, I think it'll be an easy, shouldn't say an easy, it's never, you know, you never, it's never easy, but, um, you know, the, the Louisville offense last year just didn't look great. And, you know, obviously that was the key topic this offseason was how many players did Notre Dame lose on defense. So, um, like I said, it'll be a big game for the defense, hopefully. Uh, just kind of get going. And obviously, Chris, you mentioned too, New Mexico week two before um, the big game against Georgia. So I'd like to say it's a tune-up game for the defense these first two weeks. And hopefully that's what it turns out to be. Uh, Chris, any thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I feel, I feel roughly the same as you. I don't want to, I don't want to run over your words with mine. Same, same exact thing. Um, yeah, you know, there is, they are tune up games granted, um, putting these schedules together so far ahead of time. Like we talked about in a previous episode, uh, you don't know exactly when they're going to fall. Like when we made these plans with Georgia and Louisville and New Mexico, it might be a luck thing. Might have been planned out that way. Uh, it's hard to uh, try to put these schedules all together when uh, when you're not in a conference. Also, have been talked about before, but uh, I think it's uh, I think it's a great opportunity to go into the game with uh, with a great attitude and see how it plays out. I, I mean, I think it's just going to be big because you're on the road against the team that last season didn't play well. And then you're bringing New Mexico into Notre Dame Stadium for week two. And the first game at Notre Dame, I mean, every game at Notre Dame is, is pretty crazy. But, um, you know, I just I can't see us going one and one or losing to Louisville, lose New Mexico going into Georgia. So I really think that these first two games really just going to be how well do we come out? Uh, can we play four quarters? And this is where Brian Kelly should come out and tell his guys, too. This is a, these are four quarter games. Louisville, New Mexico, don't give up in the third if you're up 34-7 or whatever the score may be. This needs to be a four-quarter practice for the big game week three, in my opinion. Yeah, you got to put the tomahawk in your leg and break that shit off. You do not leave any rock unturned. You got to go out and win the game convincingly week in and week out, especially after what happened last year. Um, Chris, you brought up a great point. You don't really know where these teams are going to be, you know, a couple years down the road. Louisville used to give us a run for our money, and they did beat us. Uh, I don't remember if it was 2013 or 2014, but Kyle Brinza couldn't make a field goal to save his life. And we ended up losing that game, and they were playing, I believe, three different quarterbacks in that game. That was right before the Lamar Jackson era, so I believe it was more Reggie Bonifant era at Louisville. But they have fallen off the wagon a little bit, but that is not something, you know, as a football team, week one is the most vulnerable of your entire season. You don't truly know what you have, and you, tr you don't truly know what your opponent has. So you don't know what they're really bringing back. There could be some underclassmen that, you know, didn't get playing time the year before that could be key contributors that year. Um, you just got to kind of go in, control what you can control, game plan, and just take care of business out there on the field. Um, as far as, you know, the New Mexico game, Obviously, again, I don't, you know, see any real threat in that game. Like Ethan and, and Chris, you guys have said, it's kind of a tune-up game. 
you want two games like that before you go in and play Georgia because you want to find out who your team is and what you got going into that measuring stick game. Uh, you don't want to just open the season up against a, you know, a top 10 opponent. I wouldn't be scared of it. I wouldn't be afraid of it, but it's not ideal when looking at the schedule. You kind of, you got to want to ease your way into that. Um, yeah, as far, as far as, you know, preparing for Louisville, um, you know, it is an away game, so they are going to be traveling to Louisville there on Monday, but it's the only game of the night. So all eyes, as usual, will be on Notre Dame. Uh, the line did move, so they are 19-point favorites. I do expect them to fully cover, win by three touchdowns or more. If you're a gambling man, go ahead and lock that in. Um, but, it, it, you know, in the matchup predictor I'm looking at right now, they got 87-9 to 12.1%. So the people, the, the consensus is that we will win this game. We will win it convincingly. And we got to go out and continue to prove all of our sil- all of our doubters wrong and silence the critics because at the end of the day, you know, being part of Notre Dame, you are held to a higher standard, and everybody already hates you. So you definitely have to be on your p's and q's and make sure that in these games against lower level opponents, you're not only winning by six, seven, ten points. You know, I had mentioned last week talking about the Ball State game last year. We do not need any games like that playing against a team from the MAC or, you know, on West, or anything like that where the game's close. you got to blow these teams like the Alabamas and the Clemsons of the world do. Um, Segwaying me to our next point, um, Brian Kelly had an interview uh, the other day, and Ethan was actually able to tune in for the full segment of the, of the interview. So uh, Ethan has quite a few takes and some notes to take away from the press conference. So uh, at this point, I'm just going to pass this one off to Ethan and let him take it. Yeah, uh, Kelly had his pregame press conference today on South Bend. Um, just following it based on Twitter, different guys that were there, things like that. Um, guy that I know that, you know, Brandon, you've always talked about um, was cornerback Sean Crawford. Um, yes. he, just tough ride in Notre Dame, man. Three serious injuries. Um, Kelly came out today and said, formal conversations about Crawford not playing again after three serious injuries never took place. So it's good to see that uh, Coach Kelly still has the confidence in Sean Crawford. He's a playmaker, uh, despite you know not seeing him as much the last three seasons. Um, just another piece of that defense that you know should be big. Um, you're talking about that defensive backfield that has, was dominant last year and will definitely be dominant again this year, hopefully. Um, another big thing that the Notre Dame fans right all that have talked about uh is the situation going on at receiver with kevin austin um you know he was out last season uh academics uh kelly came out today he said he's still on his football team and he's still practicing with us he is with us and will be on our football team and expect him to be with us the entire year however he is not on the depth chart so um let's get your guys' take on on what Kelly is doing with Kevin Austin, uh, your guys' take on the situation as well. Um, obviously, we're bringing back Chase Claypool and Chris Fink, but you know, we're, I think we're pretty young at the wide receiver core. So, you know, is it really going to hurt us? Is this going to be, you know, a thing that we should point out every week if the passing game isn't successful? And, you know, get your guys' take on that. 
So, yeah, from, from the cornerback standpoint, Sean Crawford saw success early in his career at Notre Dame. Obviously, last year his season was taken away from him due to an ACL injury. It's great to see him back with the team, and he did earn a starting position for this weekend against Louisville. Uh, the defensive backfield something that I don't believe, you know, we're going to have to worry about all year. Um, obviously, if another injury go, you know, if an injury does occur, uh, Houston Griffith or Dante Vaughn uh, would be stepping up and we're going to need big games out of them. We don't need another repeat of what occurred last year in the Clemson game. Um, as far as the offense goes, though, Ethan, uh, Braden Lazy and, and I believe uh, Javon McKinley both are going to be backing up. One's going to be backing up Fink, and one's going to be backing up Claypool. Lawrence Keyes, the redshirt freshman, went out the X receiver starting position. So the slot receiver is going to be Lawrence Keyes this year. Um, and you'll probably see a little bit of Chris Fink in there as well. Uh, Chris Fink also will be returning punts, so I'm excited to see that. He is electric back there. Um, but as far as the offense goes, I think – you know, we're going to get, you know, our traditional great line. Liam Eikenberg is back. We also brought, uh, brought back Tommy Kramer, redshirt junior for both of them. Look for them in the NFL draft either next year or even this year if they have enough year. Um, but as far as the offense goes, I've said it, Chris. Chris said it. You know, Brian said it on past episodes, and I'm sure Ethan's going to say it for me. We need the best possible version of Ian Book this year in order to be successful. And if we don't get that, nothing else matters. Um, Chris, as far as the receiving core, what are your thoughts and your takes as far as the underclassmen or just the group as a whole? Uh, I, I like the receiving core. Um, like you guys mentioned already, uh, Chase Claypool, Chris Fink are going to step up big. Um, as far as the younger guys go, uh, they have a lot to learn. They will step up and do their jobs, but as of right now, I mean, I think Chris Fink is your slot guy. He's going to keep returning your punts. He's going to see him between him and uh, Claypool are going to see the most time, uh, most targets. But um, I want to see what they do out of the backfield. Also, I want to I want to see a lot of option and check down and uh, fun stuff like that. I don't want to give it all uh, on the ground or in the air. I like the short plays. I don't want to see nothing but missiles over the over the top. You know what I mean? But, well, I mean, I, looking at looking at the running back depth, Chris, um, I, I feel like the running back position has not been terrible. Like they just keep returning guys on on the offensive side, obviously with Jar Armstrong, Tony Jones Jr. So, I uh, like you. I'm excited to see what they can do on the ground this year. Obviously, after the success of last year, um, and then looking back years ago with Josh Adams as well. So, um, yeah, like you, Chris, I'm I'm really excited to see what this offense will do this year. Yeah, I mean, from an offensive standpoint, it is the question on this team. You know, the defense brings back a lot of starters. You know, Loey Gilman's back, Jalen uh, Elliott is back, Julian Aquara, Khalid Kareem. Uh, they're back, Osmar Bilal. It's really just been the narrative for us over these first three episodes. The two position groups that we have the most questions about is the receiving core and the linebacking core. So I just, you know, I believe that, you know, these guys – need to step up they have to you know they have to pick up you know the slack left behind by michael young you know speedy recovery to him and you know from kevin austin making a dumb decision which i feel you know over the years you get at least one or two guys whether you know you know dating back to like 2013 where you know they're either getting caught with weed they're not going to class or you know even back to Everett golson he had someone taking his test it's like you're at notre dame for a reason you gotta know if you're doing this dumb shit you're gonna get caught I'm not here to speak on Kevin Austin's situation in a negative manner. 
I hope, you know, that he remains focused, keeps his eye on the prize, and gets back with us next year. Um, but, you know, he screwed and it's something that, as a man, you have to be held accountable for. And if Kelly were to let him walk, what kind of message would that send to the rest of the team? Yep. So it's it's just something that you have to do as a head coach. Thoughts on that, Chris? Uh, no, I totally get it. Um, you, you can't let him uh, roam free and get away with what he wants to it. It gives a bad image to you, the school. You look weak in front of your players who need to respect you. And, uh, yeah, the the whole Everett Golson thing back in, what, 20, uh, 2013, right after yeah, they lost Bama? Yeah, I believe it was 2013, yeah. It would have been, yeah, actually, yeah, you're right. It would have been 2013 because they got just absolutely murdered against Bama. And I believe that was the second time, too. Um, so then he loses his starting spot, and he transfers to Florida State, I believe? Yep. Yeah, Florida State plays half-ass football there, never goes anywhere with it. But um, like this, this thing happens. It's not oblivious to anybody. It happens all in the colleges all around the country. In some colleges, it's a lot easier to get away with than others, Notre Dame being at the top of the list of don't do dumb shit or you're not going to play. I um, love that quote. <laughs> don't do dumb shit or you're not going to play. That I need to get that on a T-shirt. I don't care if... <laughs> If it's I don't care if it's Chris Fink. I don't care who it is. But um, no, if, if you're not following the rules, you you should sit. I totally agree. Which it, it hurts me to say, but Kelly's on the right. You got to sit him. And, and I think that, especially you know, Brandon said you're at Notre Dame. You know, you, to do the right thing. And um, I, like you said, Chris, they're at the top. You know, you're going to get noticed if somebody doesn't do something right. You know, I mean, it's a different story when you're going to a small university. You still get, you know, your name thrown out there, but there's so many eyes on Notre Dame. And um, to be honest, I think Brian Kelly has handled everything because uh, Notre Dame's just been in the news ever since. Brian Kelly came, anti-Teo, Everett Golson, um, certain players getting kicked off, getting suspended, things like that. I think he's handled everything in terms of that like a true head coach should. So I agree with the two of you. You got to do the right thing, um, and if anybody's going to set the standard, it's Brian. So yeah, and you know, at the end of the day, as far as being held accountable, I believe you know it is the product. You know, until we find out exactly what he did, I think it's somewhere along the lines of academic dishonesty. At Notre Dame, you just can't do that. You know, you already you know bulled your butt whether it was on the field or in the classroom or both to even get to Notre Dame. You don't just go to Notre Dame because you're good at football. We're not Alabama. We're not Clemson. We're not Georgia. We're not one of these state schools that's just going to take you because you're a five-star recruit. You have to fit the mold of a Notre Dame fighting Irish football player. That's a tradition that goes back as long as college football. We, you know, arguably have the greatest traditions. It's going to sound biased, but this is, you know, one of the longest-running programs in all of college football. And at that point, you just, you know, you have to be on your P's and Q's. You can't make dumb mistakes. you got to watch who you hang out with, and you got to watch who you're around. Because, you know, as someone who works in the professional sports industry and, you know, the football industry specific, these media people don't give a shit about you. They want to see you fail. They can't wait to get the clicks off that. They can't wait to get the views off that. They want to see you fail. So at the end of the day, you have to wake up in the morning and do everything right because everybody's watching now. The way social media is set up and everybody has smartphones, everybody has access to Twitter and Instagram and all that stuff, one small mistake could cost you the rest of your life. If you saw it last year, you know, with DeAndre Francois, and he didn't even do anything wrong. It was, you know, someone who had called him out, basically stating that he did this, that, and the third. 
and got him his scholarship taken away. I do not know 100% if he did get his scholarship back because it was proven to be false information that was given. But as someone who's playing in a Division One college, much less Notre Dame, you have to be on your best behavior because one small strike, you could be playing a D2 or FCS or find yourself on last chance you. And we've seen it over the years with guys like Kevin Stefferson, uh, guys like Dion McIntosh, guys like Max Redfield, who's going to be making a comeback this year in the XFL and played in the AAF last year, so watch out for Mr. Redfield. Um, it's just something that you don't want to see. You already worked your ass off to get to Notre Dame. Do what you set out to, you know, go out and accomplish what you set out to accomplish. Go win a national championship and bring home the bacon. We have not seen a national championship since 1988. I've never seen one. Ethan's never seen one. Chris, I don't know how old you are, but, I mean, I'm going to go out on a limb and say you've never seen one as well. And if you did, you were at a very young age. So Yeah, not, not old enough for that one. Yeah, I, 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 I didn't want to come at your age. I'm assuming you're probably around the same age group as us, 25 or 6. Um, if you're not, let's just go with it. We'll give you, we'll give you those years. But, um, you know, as far as, the, you know, this might be the biggest drought. You know, I, I didn't fact check it. I don't, you know, I don't know the exact amount of years that they've gone before this, that they hadn't won a championship year. But 1988 to 2019, that's 31 years. That's a long time for a story program to go without winning a national championship. But, yeah, I, I just, I cannot stress enough um, the accountability level, it, it is to a higher standard. And in order for you to not only crack the starting lineup, but just be respected around the locker room, you have to be a leader. You cannot be a follower. You have to be someone that's in the huddles, that goes to practice, that goes to all of, you know, every single team event, even stuff that's voluntary. You just have to be a high-character guy, especially if you're going to be at Notre Dame. Uh, thoughts on that, boys? If not, we'll move on to the next topic. Perfect. I'm so, all ready to talk depth chart in Louisville. Yeah, that's going to be the book of our episode um, is the depth chart in Louisville. So as far as the depth chart goes, obviously we knew Ian Book was going to be the starting quarterback. Um, I believe either Chris or Brian had mentioned early in the se- or early in the podcast season, I shall say, uh, that Phil Yerkovic might give him a run for his money. Give him a couple years, he'll be right where Book is. Um, for running back, I like I you know like I've previously stated, Jafar Armstrong or Tony Jones is literally what's quoted on the depth chart. We're gonna see a heavy dose of both of them, and I'm excited. You know, Tony Jones is a great running back, and Jafar Armstrong is as well. I think that they both bring different qualities, um, but both, and most importantly, and, and and this is something that we have not touched on in the first three episodes, both can catch passes out of the backfield and be sort of a safety blanket or a bailout for Ian. Um, obviously, we both mentioned for the receivers that starting W is going to be Claypool. Uh, the starting Y receiver is going to be Chris Fink, and the starting X is going to be Key. So I actually believe I had that messed up when I had um, you mentioned that earlier. Fink's going to be in the slot, um, and then obviously, you know, with the injury to Cole Komet or Cole Met, I apologize about the mispronunciation, Mr. Met. But Brock what uh, Brock is going to be starting over at tight end. We got uh, Liam Eikenberg at left tackle, Aaron Banks at left guard, Jarrett Patterson, redshirt freshman, starting at center. Uh, he did beat out junior Colin Grunhard, so that's going to be an interesting position to follow all year. The kid's definitely got to be a stud if he's starting as a redshirt freshman. Uh, Tommy Kramer at right guard, and then Robert Hainsey at right tackle. Um, thoughts on the offense? Um, some of the young guys. I believe that we'll have to have a breakout year in order for this season to go right. 
are going to be Lawrence Keys and Braden Lindsay. Um, but as far as you know, the staples, you're going to get a good year out of Chris Finn. You're going to get a great year out of Chase Claypool, and I can't wait to see what he does in the NFL. And I think you know, we're just going to see the progression of Ian Book. It's going to be another great season. We just have to get the best version of Ian Book. Um, but that's all I got as far as the offense. Ethan, your takes on this year's offense? Well, I think one thing to keep your eye on, too, outside of the stars is um, graduate student Trevor Rulin. Um, he is listed as the backup at the left guard position, but um, Kelly has worked him around the offensive line uh, in his past couple of years. Um, so it, that, he's a guy that, you know, to keep your eye on, if someone goes down, um, to step in on that offensive line. Um, I, I personally think the loss to Cole Komet was big to the tight end position. Um, big dude, good hands. Um, it'll be big to see Brock Wright step into that position and see what he can do. Um, and I agree 100%. I think that this is all going to be about the progression of Ian Book. Um, he made some plays last year. Um, this is a, a, a team that should be able to make plays again. Obviously, you mentioned Clay Fink. Um, but I think Ian Book's just a leader. And, you know, he'll, he'll work with these young guys. Um, I like Javon McKinley, uh, another big guy. Um, as far as that, like I said, the offensive line, they return a lot of big guys. Um, so that'll be key. Uh, it be interesting to see, like I said, with the running game, Jafar Armstrong, Tony Jones, what are they going to do one and two? Uh, you know, what kind of situations are you going to put those two guys in? Um, and even the third string, Jameer Smith, the sophomore, um, I guarantee you, he'll probably make an appearance this year. He might get some quality touches here and there, but, um, really, I think this is Jafar Armstrong's offense to, to run the ball. So, um, love the offense. I think one thing I'm going to transition out of the offense, if you guys don't mind. Um, one thing that really wasn't needed was the special team losses. They lost Justin Yoon and they lost the punter, uh, Jonathan Doerr stepping in as the police kicker. He had a few appearances last year, if I'm not mistaken, but, um, and then you got Jay Bramblett, the freshman stepping in at the punter position. Um, you know, I think those two, realistically are one of the two underrated topics going into this season so how, how are we going to handle with that uh brian kelly did say today as well talking about special teams that this is probably one of the best hardest working special teams groups that he's had since he's been at notre dame so that excited me a little bit because i was worried about that after last season you lost yoon um who was a accurate kicker i believe didn't he set some records last season if i'm not mistaken yeah, uh, I believe he is the all-time leading scorer in Notre Dame history, and you absolutely hate to see him not on an NFL roster. The punter team that escaped your mind earlier is actually Tyler Newsom, who is doing some great things with the San Diego Chargers. He's growing that mullet out even longer. I was going to say all I thought about was the mullet, but couldn't put the, the yeah, name to the mullet the there. The, yeah. The mullet. yeah, usually it's the name of the face, but Tyler, Tyler Newsom, if you're listening out there, you got a pretty sick mullet. Keep killing it out there with the Chargers. Um not 100% if I said San Diego or L.A. I'm just so used to San Diego, and I, I believe I've myself, whether it's on Bears on tap or on Irish on tap, saying that. So I, you know, I do apologize if I did San, say San Diego. Um, but, yeah. I do have to throw some credit out to Tyler Newsom, too, after I got his name wrong. That man got the bench press reps at the combine. Yeah, Can he, we talk about that for a second? He, like, he he's got the mullet. He's got the, third, he's got the strength. And, I mean, that man was – some balls last season at the punter position but 30 bench press reps as a punter combine come on absolute unit chris thoughts on the 30 bench press reps and the offense 
Going to start off with Tyler Newsom. Badass, <laughs> badass dude. Badass. He's moment. awesome, man. Love him. Putting up 30 reps, pulling some Notre Dame Brady Quinn shit when you don't need to, but he's doing it anyways. Um, offense, I'm very excited for. Uh, one thing I wanted to bring up that you guys kind of touched on a little bit, um, Jameer Smith. I really like him. I've watched a lot of his stuff. Uh, he went off during the, during the blue and gold game, the spring game. Uh, I would like to see him get some touches that uh that aren't only happening when uh when we're up 45 to nothing exactly Um, i think i think he's a real deal he's uh he's a little smaller if i remember right when i was looking into him i think he's a little shorter but um no as far as you guys were saying about the injuries with uh kamad and uh um, yeah uh you you are losing it uh brock wright will step in I think he'll be totally fine as uh, as our tight end. Um, lines are looking good to me. Um, I'm excited about the defense, though. I'm uh, I was looking over that depth chart earlier. There are a lot of names I like to see. It's uh, it's going to be a good fun year. Yeah, and the interesting thing is too is you know you brought it up, Chris. You don't want to see him when we're just winning games by a hundred. You want to see him work his way into the offense because when Armstrong and Jones are gone, it's going to be his offense to run. One thing you've seen over the years with the Dan Kelly offense is the use of multiple running backs, you know, dating all the way back to Sierra and Theo Riddick. Uh, we've always had more of a two-back system. I think that's just the way that football is nowadays. You don't really get that workhorse that's going to give you three downs all game long. You saw production out of Jafar Armstrong running between the tackles, and you saw a lot of good production out of Tony Jones, specifically in that USC game where he saved the undefeated season on that. I believe it was a 51-yard uh Screen, not a screen pass, but, you know, he caught one out of the flats and took it to the house to save the season. Um, as far as um, the receiving core go, I also forget to mention, yes, Javon McKinley is someone that we're going to need a big year out of. Come week six, seven, and eight, when we're starting to get Michael Young back, I do, like I've previously stated, expect him to have a full recovery and have a great season. But up into that, up until that point, we're going to have to find out guys on the offense, you know, as a third sort of option in the passing game um, to be productive because people are going to be keying in on Claypool. People are going to be keying in on Fink and we can't just run it a hundred times a game and expect to win. You know, we do run a spread offense. It does spread the defense out to the point where we have, you know, those flats are open a lot of times and we do run good screen passes. Chris Fink is a great, you know, receiver to catch a screen pass and take it for 30 yards, 40 yards. Claypool is going to go up and get all the 50, 50 balls. Um, and Ian Book's just got to get him there. So, in my opinion, I don't believe, you know, the offense, you know, matches up well against the Alabamas and the Clemsons of the world, but I definitely do believe we do have a good group of guys to work with and something to build on that we can grow with throughout the season. Um, moving on to the defense, um, obviously, you know, we, we've, we've stated it in previous podcasts. We've stated it today. We're not really worried about the defense, but I'll go ahead and go over the depth chart. So, Starting at defensive end, we have uh, Khalid Kareem, you know, number 23. He's going to be an animal all year. Uh, defensive tackle, we have Mon Tagavalia Amosa, who is a redshirt sophomore. Um, Kirby Nish is going to be starting at Noseguard, who's a junior. And then, obviously, we got Julian Quara on the other defensive end spot. So that's going to be great to see. And Dalen Hayes is going to be backing him up, who's someone who you'll see on both sides of the ball – or not both sides of the ball, but both playing both end positions. Um, he's someone who's been in production over the last few years in the Notre Dame defense and someone that we can count on 
in down situations. He'll be more of a situational player if he isn't starting, but you will see a lot of Dalen Hayes this year. Moving on to the linebacker, uh, at Rover, we have Jeremiah Owusu-Karamoa. I apologize about the mispronunciation. Yeah, I saw that name on the depth chart, yeah. too. I was like, I'm going to let you guys touch on that one. I, I was yeah. staying away from that one. Yeah, so we're going we're gonna to definitely take a look at the depth chart and get some better pronunciation on these names. I do apologize, Jeremiah, about the uh, mishap on the name. He is a redshirt sophomore. We have not seen much of him. And Drew White Drew White will be starting at the Mike linebacker position, who is also a redshirt sophomore, looking to fill pretty big shoes in Drew Tranquil and Tavon Coney. And then we've mentioned before, Asmar, Asmar Bilal, the fifth-year senior, will be our starting buck linebacker this year, and he's going to be backed up by Jordan Jenmark Heath. Uh, both of those players have seen success over the years as linebackers, whether it's situational, late-game situations when we're up. I do expect both of them to be the leaders and the core of that group, regardless of if Jenmark Heath is not starting. Um, the two corner positions, I had mentioned in previous weeks, you know, we got Troy Pride Jr. at one and Sean Crawford at the other. Uh, Jalen Elliott at the strong safety position and Alohi Gilman at the free safety position. So I believe between the defensive line and the defensive secondary, those are the two strongest groups that we have on the whole team. So we're going to need production out of them every game. Um, if we can get a good pass rush, those DBs are going to be getting a lot of picks this year. So I think, you know, as long as we're good up front, which we should have no issue doing, I believe that, you know, the defense will be a top 10 unit. And with that, I'm going to pass this one off to you guys. Yeah, I mean, one thing we touched on earlier um, was Houston Griffith, number two on the chart, obviously, behind Troy Pride. Uh, he's a guy that can be plugged in, you know, if an injury happens, if, you know, mid-game we need some guy to step in. Um, and Brian Kelly thinks the same way of him, too. He said today during that press conference, he doesn't have a blind spot. All he wants to do is help Notre Dame win and play. Uh, he also noted that he, Kelly, likes his competitive spirit. So, I think he's the guy that you know we could keep our eye on coming off the bench um, if we need a, a big playmaker. Um, obviously, we don't want to go to the worst and, and think of Sean Crawford if something happens to him again. But uh, you know, I think he's going to have a breakout season. But if something does happen to either of those two guys, um, Houston Griffith will be a guy to step in and make that role. So I, I like I said, I like the defense as well. Uh, a lot of returning guys, Oquar, a big name. Um, I was a big fan. Gary Tillery said that he's gone. He's going to be a big name to watch for in the Chargers as well. Um, but like you said, that defensive backfield, man, that's that, that's just a, a group of playmakers right there. Thoughts, Chris? Uh, yeah, um, I agree with uh, I agree with what you're saying. Uh, I'm a big Houston Griffith fan. I think he's uh, I think he's also going to have a breakout year. Uh, one thing I would like to talk about is everyone's grudge against Dante Vaughn. Um, obviously, he was a big part of the loss against Clemson. People still have to, yet to let it go on Twitter. Um, I would like to see some playing time for him, some redemption time. He is going into his final year. I'm not sure if he was a red shirt or not. I'm not sure if he qualifies for a fifth year, but I know he's going to be a senior. Um so I would like to see some more out of him. And then, uh, like uh, he, uh, you're also saying, Sean Crawford, very excited to see what's going on with him, especially after X amount of terrible injuries. I'm happy he's bouncing back. I'm happy uh, Kelly's letting him play his game, keep his spot. Uh, that's all I got, guys. I, ironically enough, looking at the 
the official depth chart here that came out today after that press conference. Uh, at the cornerback position, Troy Pride, Sean Crawford, obviously one and two. Um, they have Houston listed as the number two to Troy Pride. Um, they have Dante Vaughn being the third guy behind Troy Pride. So um, interesting there. Another guy that you know may make an appearance is uh, Tariq uh, Bracey, rather. Um, sophomore, he's listed as number two behind Sean Crawford. So your guy Dante Dante Vaughn there, you know I would love to see some redemption as well after the Clemson game, you know listed third on the depth chart right there. It's you know will be interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah, and it's going to be tough sledding for Dante. And you know as defensive back, the one thing you have to have is short term memory loss, and that was one thing you know he wasn't able to bounce back you know from in the Clemson game. But he's been playing football all his life. We have full confidence that he'll be able to make a redemption. And at this point, you know, we, we want to see him right his wrongs and prove all the doubters wrong. And you don't ever want to see, you know, Notre Dame fans holding judges or, you know, if you're a fan of any team, people don't understand what these guys go through on a daily basis. So, And, and I mean, my thing, too, with it, who you were playing against. You're yeah. playing against, if not a great quarterback, not the best quarterback in college football in Trevor Lawrence. So, you know, it's not like you threw him out there against a third-string quarterback and – you know, he got burned on that, but I mean, Trevor Lawrence, man, he's a man. Yeah. So you can't, I, I feel you can't fault him too much for that. Um, you know, one thing I wanted to touch on going to that Clemson game and something that I'm going to be definitely keeping my eye on this year um, was the play calling, the offensive play calling in that Clemson game. I listened to your, the first episode, you guys touched on it a little bit. Um, despite the fact that Clemson was just the better team, I feel like the play calling in that game in terms of the offense could have been so much better. Um, you know, I, I was at work uh, watching it with a bunch of guys, and they did the same thing. They're like, we, they're playing way too conservative for a team that, you know, needs to play against one of the best teams in the nation in Clemson, so, and with that defense as well. Um, but that's something that I'm going to keep my eye on the most because Brian Kelly's offensive play calling in that Clemson game last year was not the best. Um, I don't think that that's the reason they lost the game. I definitely think Clemson was the better team. But, um, you know, you look at the matchups that this team has this year um, and the defenses that they have to play, the Michigans, the Georgias, um, and even some of those ACC teams as well. Um, they got some strong defenses there, and I think that the play calling just needs to be stepped up. And if they do that and Ian Book is successful in the run game and obviously everything clicks on the offensive side of the ball, should be a pretty good 12-0, and 11-1 team. Yeah, and you can't be conservative in those teams. I, I, you know, over the years in these big games, we always start out slow. And I understand you're coming out with 15 to 30 scripted plays. But if you go out and you got two, three and outs, bail on that. You got you Ian Book, who's essentially going into his third year, not full year playing in this offense. You got to hand him the keys to the Ferrari and let him ride that shit. You got to let him go out and do his thing. You cannot afford to be conservatively play calling. I mean, don't go out and, you know, call crazy, you know, reverses and flickers and all that stuff. Keep it, you know, with in, within the fine lines of a, of a great game plan. But, you know, if the game plan you set up, a la the Clemson game or the Miami game a few years ago, or even the Alabama game in 2012, if the original game plan that you do not have or that you have set up is not working, you have to adjust, and that's something that over the last five, ten years at Notre Dame, if they go down early in a game, you know we're about to get 30 p. You know, it, it, it's not it's not a good thing to see, 
the Clemson game being, you know, the homer that I am and I love Notre Dame to death, I'm like, all right, it's, uh, 21 to 3. We just got to do this, that, and the third, and we'll be right back in this game. Let's yep. do it. We can get this. But it never happens like that. And, you know, regardless of whether, you know, love stayed in the game or even if we amped up the play calling a little bit, I still don't think we're going to beat Clemson in that game. But you're never going to know if you don't try. And if you're out there tucking your tail, you know, calling plays, you're never going to, you know, move the ball. And with Notre Dame this year specifically, we have to get the run game started early. If we do not get the run game, you know, if we don't get the run game getting, you know, get it going early, we're going to be too predictable. Well, so, I, I think, you know, kind of going back to what I touched on in the beginning here, um, if you're going to work on the off, these are the two games that you need to work on that. You know, obviously you're playing two teams that you should easily beat. Um, and I, like I said, I think these are the two games that I'd like to see what Kelly runs in terms of the offense. What are we doing on certain uh, down and distances? And, um, you know, it'll be a true test to me to see how they handle Georgia with the play calling. Um, because like you said, they're going to key in on Fink. They're going to key in on Claypool. Um, you know, I think that Jafar Armstrong is a guy that we can give the ball to and say, here you go. Let's see what you can do with it. Um, but, you know, 110, do we really want to do that? No. You know, come on. So yeah. I, I think he worthy enough to see what he does in these first two weeks, um, he being Kelly in the play calling. Um, but, I, I mean, I have faith. I never lost faith. I was a little upset with it. Um, but you, you got to go back and look at that national championship game and, and see what Clemson did to Alabama. And at the end of the day, Clemson was the better team, regardless of the play calling, regardless of the injuries, blown coverages, things like that. Clemson is Clemson. Clemson's going to be Clemson for the next couple of years, too. So, um, like I said, that's a key touch for me. Uh, I'd like to see what they do play calling-wise. Um, all in all, though, I mean, I think that going into the season, coming off the loss and an undefeated regular season, I think the team has the capability of doing the same thing. So. Yeah, and and you, I believe, Chris, it was either you or Brian who had brought up the 11 and one season and the possibility of getting to the college football playoff at 11 and one. I honestly, I just, I don't really see it as being a realistic option. I do believe we have to go 12 and 0, especially after what happened last year. Um, it's just one of those things where the committee is not, you know, regardless of how good Clemson was or you know, they're not going to forget about that. So. Obviously, we got a fresh slate. We're zero and zero. We're going down to Louisville this weekend. Chris, can I get a score prediction from you? Oh man, you're gonna make me go first. I gotta think about this one. Oh um, yeah. Uh, I'm really, really bad at these, but I'm gonna give it a go. Um, uh, I'm not sure who's running the numbers. How, I heard 19. Um, how about we do this, Chris? How about we turn it into a little bit of a contest between the three of us and we can keep season-long standings to see who's the closest week in and week out on the overall score? Oh, yeah. okay, okay. I like this. Um, so we'll make it a competition. We'll ramp it up a little bit. Uh, what um, What's the spread right now? We look, um, it was 19, I believe. It, it was, said it earlier. It's been fluctuating okay. between nine, uh, 20 and a half and 19. With an over under of fifty four, I believe. All right, um, fifty four and over. Uh, I'm gonna just go with a score right now, and uh, we'll do the logistics later. I like <laughs> Notre Dame, um, thirty five ten, thirty five thirteen ish. 
Well, you got to pick one here, Chris. It's either 35-10, you're going to give Louisville the field goal late, or what are we doing? Yeah, are we getting the pride field goal as time expires to get the extra points? 35-11 and three quarters. I think we can make that happen. Yeah, we can make that happen. All right, Chris, your final answer. Um, I'm going to go 35-10. I think Notre Dame is going to run all over them. I think Louisville will actually get on the board early, whether it's a uh, whether it's field goal touchdown. I think Kelly's going to ream them, and they're going to be Notre Dame, and they are just going to go ape shit and run that score <laughs> up. And I think it's going to be a really fun one to watch. I'm going 35 time. Lock it in. To piggyback off your score prediction, who's your player to key in on this week? Oh, um, more pressure, huh? Uh, I'm I'm liking the long ball this game. I'm liking the slot. I'm going think. Think? Okay. So we're going to mark it down. Chris's picks 35 to 10 Notre Dame and Chris Fink as his player of the game. Ethan, so, you're up next. Chris, is that because uh, he shares the first name as you that you're thinking Fink is going to be the uh, breakout guy this game? No, I actually don't even watch football. I just really like <laughs> his bird on Instagram. <laughs> yeah, hey, he he uh, he was actually rocked out to pop punk the other day at practice from Barcelona. So I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. Chris is a great name. Chris Fink, we expect great things of you. You're going to be the next starting slot receiver for the England Patriots when you're done here at Notre Dame. Uh, yeah, I'd like to see that. I, I think I could see it happening. A little Julian Edelman type he's there. Like a, he's like a little, he's like our Hunter Renfro. Oh, God. Uh, as far as my picks go, and you guys touched on uh, Notre Dame, what they can do to make college football playoff. Um, I agree. I think they got to go 12-0. and 0. Um, The only way I see them going in, um, if they happen to lose to Georgia uh, or, or Michigan, I think those are the two teams that they have a strong chance of losing to. Um, I hate to see it against Michigan, but uh, you know they're, they're a good team. Um, it'll all come down to who wins the SEC, who wins the, uh, the Big Ten. Um, but like I said, I, I think Notre Dame has to win out. With that, uh, my week one prediction, I, I like the 35-10 to 10 spread. Um, I think this will be a game that, like I said, Notre Dame's going to come out. Uh, they're going to run the ball. Um, they're going to try and, and move the ball down the field with Ian Book. Um, I'm going to have to go along the same lines as Chris. Uh, I'm going to go 38-14. I think that Louisville, coming out of a bad year, um, It'll be interesting to see, in my opinion, who gets the ball first. I think whoever does will, obviously, you're going to try to drive down the field and score. But I think if Louisville gets the ball, they're going to try and make some big plays right off the bat against this Notre Dame defense. So I'll give Louisville an early touchdown. I'll give them a late touchdown as well, that pride touchdown at the end. Yeah, I'm going to go uh, 38-14 Notre Dame in this one. And I'm going to go along the same lines as Chris as well. My first name lines with Ian, so I'm going to go Ian Book as the playmaker. I'm thinking, uh, I'm thinking over 150 passing yards. I'm going, to, I'm going to go out on a limb here. We'll see how my week one prediction goes, but I'm going to go 250 passing yards, three touchdowns for for Ian Book week one. Brandon, what do you think? Yeah, we would absolutely first and foremost love to see that from Mr. Book. Uh, but as far as my score prediction for this week, I do have the prediction as 42 to 17. I believe Notre Dame does cover and the over does. Hit. So if you're a gambling man, go ahead and run away with that pick. I myself am not. But as far as this week goes, it's going to be ugly early. We're not, you know, we're going to get up probably two, three touchdowns before Louisville even scores. So I think it's a good opportunity if we do get up early to see some, to see what some of the younger guys do have. Um, as far as my player of the week, 
I'm going to go out and I'm going to go on the defensive side. Um, my favorite player on the defense, Alonzo Gilman, he is just an animal out there. I expect at least turnovers out of him. Um, at the very least, one, you know, he's he's good for at least one a game, I believe. But he is just all over the field at all times. And I actually saw on the depth chart they have him backing up Chris Fink at punt return. So it would be quite interesting to see Gilman maybe take a couple punts back. But that's something that, you know, obviously Fink would either have to be injured or lose his job. So we're just going to let Fink do his thing back there. Um, but as far as Irish on tap this week, we do have all of our predictions in we have Chris at 35 to 10 with Chris Fink being his player of the week. We have myself at 42 to 17 with Alohi Gilman being the player of the week. And we have Ethan at 38 to 14 with Ian Book being player of the week. Um, Chris, Ethan, if you guys don't have anything else, I believe we covered all of the points that we needed to cover for today. And this is going to be the last episode that you hear from us until we are in season. Um, as far as the season goes, we are going to be looking to do two episodes a week. One being a recap of the previous game, and one being a look ahead to the to the um, the next game. Um, but as far as Irish on tap for today, it's been great chatting Irish football with Chris, Ethan. Um, but we'll have to see you guys next week after a Notre Dame Fighting Irish victory. Again, it was a pleasure speaking Irish football with all of our Irish on tap fans. You can find us on Twitter at OnTapIrish, and you can find all of our articles on the OnTap Sportsnet. You just got to go over to the Notre Dame or College Football tab, and that's where you will find all of our work. It was a pleasure speaking with you all this evening, and everybody, go for Irish.